Hello, plant and fungi fans out there. It's Sid Harvey Griffith from Permatours, a nonprofit that brings people together to exchange skills and knowledge through permaculture action and natural building focus events that support biodiversity, personal growth, and the resilience of local communities. Today, I am at Maine Fungi Fest 2023, a gathering to celebrate all things fungi, plant-based healing, and evolving consciousness. I have the great pleasure of interviewing some of the event's awesome speakers, educators, vendors, and participants. So let's kick it off. I'll turn it over to our special guest, Dustin Sulak, to introduce yourself. And I'll also introduce the interviewer, Scotty Guzman, my co-founder in Permatours and member of Diggers Cooperative. I'm Dustin Sulak. I have a medical practice in Falmouth called Integrate Health, and I'm also the co-founder of Healer, which is a medical cannabis company. I'm an osteopathic physician, and I live here in Maine. Awesome. Could you say a little bit about what it is that you're sharing with the world here at Fungi Fest today? Today I just gave a talk about psychedelics and parenting, which was the first time I had shared that content, and it was really well received. It was about how we can use psychedelics to be better parents, and then also how we can guide our older children and the use of psychedelics in a safe way and help them use it to help themselves be better people. Fantastic. So is that something where you feel like psychedelics can help parents to become more attuned with the needs of their children, or what do you think are the primary sort of key points that, are, that cause it to be helpful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, walk you through some of the key points. So I think, you know, the ideal outcome of parenting is probably different for different parents. But something that most of us could agree about is that we want our children to survive and that we want them to thrive. And thriving has something to do with them being their authentic selves and being successful and expressing that into the world. And going to the first one, survival, like how we tend to do that as parents uh, most successfully is to create a safe space inside of a boundary. Some, we set up some sort of a boundary so that children can learn through experience without being at risk of, say, running out in the street and getting hit by a car. And um, through each developmental stage, that boundary expands a little bit, and children can continue to learn through experience. This is usually more important than learning in a way that we teach them or tell them. And so um, how do we set up those boundaries and how do we keep those boundaries stable and, um, and do so in a way where we're not taking our frustration out and, or our anger out? Or, um, and so you, we, we talked a lot about the requirement for synchronizing with our children. And, and that means having a stable enough sense of self where the child is not interacting with an adult that's constantly reacting to them. Where like, as a parent, I don't want my inner state to be dependent on whether my child's behaving a certain way. I don't want it to be dependent on how my child is thinking about my parenting. Um, you know, I want to be stable enough to, uh, to provide that. And then also to be able to be shifted, right? When, I, when I'm stable inside, it's kind of a paradox, but I can find my child's meeting place. So if it's a three-year-old, their meeting place actually means like, 
going a little bit into the three-year-old mind to be there with them and feel what it's like. And when we do that, of course, they recognize it right away. Their behavior change, they become a lot more oriented. So this idea of like being able to set up stable, healthy boundaries for our children in which they can explore, and, and that's part of survival. And then what is it that they're exploring? Something where there's like a natural arc, say a feeling that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it self-resolves. This is something that we as adults often experience and learn from psychedelic experiences, right? That there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there's challenge, and it's okay. So many of us as parents will like say, it's okay, you don't have to cry right now. Or stop, stop that tantrum, or go to your room until you come back this way, you know, or that way, you know, and like, you know, and, and you know, the best of us parents are still doing that all the time to our children you know inadvertently but but there's something about letting the child experience on their own and like through necessity developing the trust that their emotions number one don't need to have an intellectual reason or justification behind them but that there's some trust in the experience of having them going through that and then self-regulating and coming back the other you know one other I'm not going to go through the whole talk now but one other interesting point is that when we do have the stable container for our children um, when we're not reactive to them when we when we bring that synchronization to the relationship they grow and develop really fast and so it often seems like just when we get it right now they're on to the next developmental level <laughs> like you know you might spend weeks like you know creating an unstable boundary and no change happens and it's just like a stuck dynamic as soon as you get it like a day or two later, they're beyond that. Now you have to adjust. Stop treating them like they were yesterday because they're totally new people today. <laughs> and, and then you got to expand the boundary. But a lot of what um, parents perceive as disobedience, I think it's two different things. Number one is testing the boundary because without testing it, there's no way of knowing if it's actually a boundary. And I think that a lot of kids that are so-called disobedient are actually just disoriented. They're like, out there in the middle of the ocean they don't know which direction land is like as soon as they can see there's the shape of the bay now I know which way is home and which way is out they can they can you know feel a lot safer to go through those natural arcs of experience and then I think one other big point of the talk which um, maybe is a little more applicable to older children but but certainly to all it has to do with intrinsic motivation and so a lot of us adults, we carry around a whole boatload of shoulds and should nots. Um, and I think we know what it's like when we're, you know, in, like at the end of a day, when you've had a day that's just full of activities that are totally congruent with the things in life that are most important to you, you're going to feel a certain way. You're going to feel fulfilled and satisfied. And during that day, you'll have been efficient. You'll be creative, you'll be magnetic, people will want to be around you. You know, you be your best self, you give your best contribution to the world and to society. Versus a day when you're full of low priority distractions, at the end of that day, you're going to feel probably disappointed, like you don't belong, like you've betrayed yourself, like, you know, like you'd probably be anxious, you'd probably be depressed. Like all of those so called negative feelings are actually feedback mechanisms, it's a force of remediation from our brain and from our body and our spirit to help us actually be who we are. And so going back to where we started, like what's it mean for a child to thrive? Like what's that goal of parenting all about? 
it's about them being themselves. Like, how can we stop injecting our values onto them? Because if I make a list of my top 20 important things in my life, it should be, if I'm, yeah, so if I make a list of my top 20 important things for me in my life, it should be a different list from all of my children. Like, they're different people. And then if I'm going around injecting my values onto them, praising them when they do something reflective of my values instead of praising them when they be themselves, now they're growing up all these shoulds and should nots also, which are not their own. And they're going to have a day full of low priority distractions. So like, how can I take all my should, should nots and ought tos out to the woods with me and excise them all, you know, probably with using some, a strong dose of mushrooms would be a, a great suggestion. So, you know, that, that's a kind of a quick, dirty summary of the talk, but some of the action steps that I left parents with, and there were a lot of beautiful parents in the room. It was so nice to, to see all their reflections. Uh, one is, if, if you are a parent and you have psychedelics in your life, something you probably have never done, but would really be helpful is to do a specific intentional psychedelic journey about parenting whether it's in a in a you know format or context or you just take your mushrooms out to the woods but beforehand write down what your intentions may be like do this to become a better parent it's just not a lot to ask and and incredibly helpful we usually would then see all the mistakes we've made you know grieve the agony of having you know, crushed our children's free spirit to a greater or lesser extent, forgive ourselves for it, uh, excise more of our shoulds and should nots so we're not projecting them onto our children, and so that we can start modeling a person who's congruent with their values, who has a stable sense of self that's not reactive and not dependent on how our children are. So that's one. And then an, another important action step is to not hide this from our children. First of all, our children know when we're hiding something from them. And uh, especially if I were to use a psychedelic that was transformative for my energy and my life, my children are in that energetic space. It's obviously gonna affect the family. So I can't hide it from them, but if I pretend I'm hiding it from them, that's gonna set up this dichotomy where then their relationship with psychedelics and probably other substances are all about secrecy and lies. And this is what most of us grew up doing, like how can we get as high as we can, as fast as we can, as secretly as we can. Maybe not the best way to relate to these substances, you know, an interesting stepping stone for sure. But, um, but we might not need our children to take those same missteps as us. So, so don't hide it from the kids, you know, develop language around it. In my household, cannabis is the medicine plant. Mushrooms are the mushrooms that turn adults into children for a little while. You know, we, we have names for these things and they know, they know that we're doing them and that's, um, you know, and I think that's really helpful. Another one is to use substances to help reflect. Like if you have an employer, you're probably going to have a quarterly review where they, you know, tell you what you're doing right, where your opportunities are for growth. You can do this with yourself, say once a week or once a month, sit down with some cannabis or a low dose of mushrooms or something like that and a notebook and just reflect on your parenting. Take the time to actually review what's one of the most important activities in your life. And then some suggestions for um, adolescence. You know, I, I, when, if, if we've done all the rest of this that I'm describing, um, by the time our adolescents are ready to use psychedelics, we're gonna have an open relationship with them. They're gonna have a foundation and there's 
they're probably not going to do it in a wrong way, which who knows what a wrong way is. But, but I think maybe one ideal way of doing it is uh, to frame it as like a coming of age ceremony of sorts where uh, they're sharing it with their peers. I think that's something that's really important. A lot of parents say, if you ever use mushrooms or if you ever use cannabis, you can do it with me the first time or I'll, I'll give you, like, they're not going to want to do that necessarily. But if, if you have some friends in your social group that have children of similar age that are ready for something like this, um, and then the, the children peers can do that, you've created a safe environment for them. Uh, parents can have their little parents circle during the thing and then everybody can come back together and integrate um, because their shifts are going to impact the parents, right? Just how when we have a psychedelic trip, it impacts them, their shifts are going to impact us. And so that would be another suggestion. But probably most of all as parents, like one of the best gifts these medicines have for us is they can help us be childlike for a short period of time, relate to our children, reflect on our parenting, and, uh, and come back come back to this incredibly important job better, uh, with better capacity to, to serve our children. It sounds like these steps are very similar around the steps of just showing up as your greatest self in relationship. Yeah. In lots of different types of, you know, friendships and partnerships, mm-hmm. and even work relationships, you know, these different ways of inquiry, that self-inquiry, that inventory, that checking in and yeah I'm wondering what your thoughts are and how how that overlaps with your relationships with adults as well a lot of us that maybe have focused on developing skills for performing better in relationship with other adults will leave that out of our relationship with our children I mean you go to a grocery store you listen to how people talk to their kids you know, they're talking to them like they're babies. It, you know, it's, it's just amazing how we could feel so, like, evolved and cultivated in our relationships with adults, but still treat our children like they're, you know, they're in the place that they were yesterday or last year or when they were babies. So the baby talk has to go. And one of the strong recommendations I made is, like, talk to your child like they're one of your adult friends. So I'm glad that you, you brought that up, like what we cultivate and what we learn in relationships with adults are absolutely applicable to children. A lot of people forget that. We you know, just kind of go into this automatic mode that is so often just passing down the generational trauma, that, you know, the ways in which we were parented, we kind of go into autopilot like that. So that's why psychedelics are so important. Like if you do an intentional trip about parenting, and you allow the medicine to show you all the mistakes you're making, all those generational patterns that you've failed to update and evolve, uh, then, then you're going to come back in a new relationship with your kids. Mm-hmm. Wow. Really incredible. Super inspired. The piece that really jumped out to me was the intentional trip and that idea of using psychedelics as a tool to showing up better in relationship and yeah, I'm just wondering if you have any like feedback about doing that. Yeah, what does the procedure look like? Yeah, like how is that different? <clears throat> is it just a mindset or is there any other things that, you know, maybe doing it with a buddy that's on a similar wavelength or do you have any other? Well, I think a lot of times the medicine starts when we decide to do it, not so much when we actually take it <laughs> into our bodies. 
And so that decision might be a week earlier, at least a night earlier, but like I would sit down, you know, th this isn't the right way for everyone, but I think a lot of people can benefit by sitting down with a piece of paper and a pen and actually writing down some intentions. Now, the trip may end up following that path or it might go in a totally different direction and that's okay too. I trust the wisdom of the health. But usually, before actually ingesting the medicine, it's nice to state verbally if you are in a context with other people where you can do that, or if you're by yourself, just to write down, what are my intentions for this trip? So I might write, to become a better parent, to be more aware of my mistakes, to forgive myself for my mistakes, to um, you know, grow in whatever ways I can. You know, write, write it down. And then you take that medicine and you go out there and maybe while it's kicking in, you're reflecting on some of that stuff already. You know, so it's just kind of like planting that seed, I think procedurally is a nice way of doing it. And then um, the integration is extremely important, right? So like after the trip, do some reflecting on your own, but bring that back to the family, like let that, or to the rela whatever relationship it is. So let, let the energy that you've cultivated and the transformation like um, connect with others because that's a way of anchoring it in real life like so often we'll go on a psychedelic journey come back have all these great insights and revelations and we've cleaned ourselves out totally but we haven't anchored it to anything in our life and then time passes and that just fades and it just stays as like something that happened that weekend but we haven't bridged it into our life our relationships are are great bridges for that they can really be helpful so Again, back to don't hide this. Like, talk about it. Talk about what I what my mistakes are. I think it's really helpful for any relationship, including a parent-child relationship, to admit our mistakes, and uh, you know, offer uh, offer apologies even if if it's appropriate. Yeah. So level of vulnerability there, and willingness to yeah, put yourself out there a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So integration. Yeah. Preparation and integration. Yeah, preparation and integration. I like that. I'm definitely going to remember that. Thank you so much. Really like how you said integration as something that could be done in community with the people in your life. I feel like I didn't. I hadn't really fully thought about it in that way, and I definitely want to do that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I do voice recordings. So like directly afterward, I'll like spend an hour and record, you know, my experience, revisit it. But I don't really bring other people into it as much, and I feel like that's missing for mm. me, for sure. That's yeah, nice, nice way to bridge it to life. Yeah. Well, great. Is there any other way that people could hear more about your work or? So the easiest way to find me is healer.com. That's where a lot of my cannabis content is. Uh, but it's just the best way to find me. And then I have a medical practice in Falmouth, Maine, uh, where we're doing psychedelic-assisted therapy and a lot of good integrative medicine. So people can find me there as well. It's called Integrate Health. I've heard of it. I've heard great things. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.